0: A puppet chief medical officer of health? Harassment of a CTV Edmonton journalist. Bell Let's Talk moving away from their hashtag and nurses in New York are on strike. Good morning. It's Tuesday, January 10th. Here are your headlines. Today, we start in Ontario, where emails obtained by Jack Howen at Queen's Park Briefing show that Ontario's Chief Medical Officer of Health, Kieran Moore, doesn't or probably doesn't write his own statements. Rather, they're written by communications staff in the Ministry of Health. The revelations are buried within emails that went back and forth about the province dropping its mask mandate that Howen was able to get his hands on through access to information. In the emails, a ministry communications staffer asks if Moore would be signing off on the statement, and another staffer replied to say that it wasn't always possible for this to happen. This appears to contradict Doug Ford's public statements that have repeatedly insisted that Dr. Moore, the position of Chief Medical Officer of Health, is an independent office. It doesn't take too much for a layperson, I don't think, to be able to read through political spin. And Dr. Moore has been accused regularly, pretty much since he was appointed in the position, of being a mouthpiece or a puppet of the Doug Ford government. It's really important that the chief medical officer of health has some distance from politicians. And I don't think that that's not obvious for anybody who's been paying attention to the pandemic. But this revelation, the the idea that statements being attributed to the province's top doctor are being written by communication staffers looks, I don't know, pretty bad. When Ontarians and people in general are looking for advice or direction from a doctor, they don't expect to hear from a spin doctor. Next up is a story that shouldn't be national news, but I'm going to mention it this morning for a very important reason. A journalist who works for CTV Edmonton had a medical event live on the air the other night. I'm not going to name the journalist because this video of the medical event has gone viral and... Thanks to far-right networks and fascist websites like LifeSite News, this journalist has been relentlessly harassed. Now, why would such a video go viral? Because certain far-right personalities and websites implied that the medical event had something to do with Bell Media, CTV's parent company their vaccination policy, insinuating that the illness experienced by the journalist was related to having been vaccinated. This journalist received a torrent of abuse. They had to lock down their Twitter accounts. They made a statement that was released on their behalf by CTV Edmonton. They say also that they received a lot of support, but the the sheer number of messages has made it impossible to actually see this, which is why I'm, I'm not naming the journalist. The way that these far-right actors have used this incident is, frankly, disgusting. I wouldn't normally mention this. This this certainly doesn't pass the test of what is national news. But I do think it's really important to point out that the far-right has an incredibly sophisticated network to do this kind of thing to journalists. And, you know, it's one thing to target journalists for their reporting uh, or for political reporting that the far-right Disagrees with, and it just feels like to me like another thing entirely to target someone for having been sick. This was obviously out of the journalist's control. Uh, it's an extremely vulnerable moment. Uh, this is a young journalist who's got their career ahead of them, and the cruelty with which uh, certain actors on the far right are using this to whip people up is is, is quite astounding. You know, the far right has these networks mainstream Canada, or maybe liberal Canada, small L liberal, which of course runs the gamut of political ideology, have mainstream media, but mainstream media is less and less able to spin out opinion the way that the far right is. And so I'm mentioning that this morning for 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 you to think about, my goodness, where are other networks to be able to fight back against this kind of tactic, and really importantly, what does Bell Media or Bell Media's parent company, Bell, do to fight back on behalf of this journalist? Oftentimes, questions of harassment of journalists just falls flat when we get to the real issue, which is how management support or doesn't support their journalists. And I think that in a situation like this, if Bell doesn't take some sort of legal action against the individuals and the websites that have used this to harass, to relentlessly harass their journalist, we have to ask ourselves, what really are these corporations doing to protect their workers? Now to national news, which is also a story related to the company Bell. Bell is no longer going to donate money per tweet on Bell Let's Talk Day. Now, you might remember in the last many years, Bell Let's Talk Day is a day that Bell promises to donate five cents for every time someone uses the hashtag Bell Let's Talk. Um, No, sorry, not every time, only if the user is on the Bell Network, which is not something I knew until I was researching this this morning. The promise to donate $10 million is actually more than they would have otherwise likely been donating had Bell Let's Talk run as usual. Last year in 2022, the company had a record year for the campaign, and that resulted in a donation of just over $8 million. Considering the Changes that have happened on Twitter and really the disappearance of hashtags on the platform combined with a rocky year for Bell, it probably made a lot more sense to just do the lump sum and ensure that they were able to donate more than the 8 million that they donated last year. The article that I read was by Global News' Heidi Lee, and Lee writes that the change comes quote, after the controversial ouster of longtime CTV national news anchor Lisa Laflamme, which spurred public criticism of the company, including from some using the company's hashtag in their posts. Now, the funny thing about using the hashtag in their posts is that the, if it's a Bell phone, the money is still donated no matter what. And the hashtag has, for many, many years, been jammed on Bell let Talk Day by people criticizing Bell for how they treat their workers and how they treat the Mental health of their workers and how they treat their customers. So it's interesting that this is being linked to Laflamme uh, and other uh, individuals who've uh, who've experienced um, poor working conditions uh, in Bell Media specifically workplaces, but. I'm less inclined to think that it actually is related to those incidences. And as I said, more inclined to believe that it's more related to the changes that we're seeing on social media in general and especially on Twitter. And finally. For international news this morning, I want to take you to New York, where the New York State Nurses Association are on strike. 7,000 members of them, to be specific. Bargaining has been happening across New York City in different hospitals. Some units have already settled, but others, notably in the Bronx, remain on strike. This morning, I found the news from CNN, hardly a pro-labor news website. They're reporting that hospital management has offered the nurses a 19% wage increase. And yet the nurses have responded to say, this is not an issue over pay. What they are on strike over is about patient safety. CNN quoted Lorena Vivas, a union executive member and 19-year nurse who has said that nurses in her department routinely work 24-hour shifts and nurses in the intensive care unit who should only be caring for two patients routinely care for three or four. What struck me about this reporting is an incredible paragraph in this article written by Chris Isidore. Isidore writes, quote, Union officials appeared to be winning the public relations battle in this fight, with cars and trucks honking the horns in support of the strikers throughout the day. And the union officials were getting overwhelming cheers from crowds as well with their position that they were fighting to put patience over profits. It's not too often that you see such a pro worker message, especially from a news organization like CNN. But the pandemic has Clearly, laid bare the limits of the healthcare system, the crisis within the healthcare system in the United States. And of course, as many Canadians are learning about the death of Alison Holthoff in a Nova Scotia emergency room, the New York strike is a good reminder that labor action is the most effective way for workers to influence public policy and make the changes that we all know need to happen within the public healthcare system. That's it for me this morning. It is Tuesday, January 10th. It's Sandy and Nora Day. So stay tuned in a couple of hours for a new episode to drop.